Hello and welcome. You're listening to the IFSEC Global Security in Focus podcast, where we bring you exclusive interviews with leading figures in the physical security industry to get to the heart of the profession. I'm your host, James Moore, the editor of IFSEC Global, and I'm excited to bring you episode two of the Security in Focus podcast. We're actually recording this just off the back of the first IFSEC International In-Person Exhibition in London we've run for three years. It really was so good to see the industry back together, I have to say. If you did come, we hope you enjoyed it. And if you didn't, we'll see you in May 2023 for the 50th birthday of IFSEC next year. But anyway, on to this episode. We'll be covering a really interesting and innovative approach to bringing through the next generation of security professionals and capturing a young group of people who may never have even thought about security before as a potential profession. I think there's a widespread acceptance of the need for the security industry to recruit young talent and bring in fresh blood to the sector. Traditionally, many professionals have come directly from similar backgrounds, such as ex-forces or ex-police. While this makes sense, I think, with so many crossover skills in risk management and security awareness, many in the industry have highlighted the need to spread the net a little wider and bring in more diverse thinking, diverse approach, and as well as showcasing how many opportunities there are in the physical and cyber and personnel sectors of security. The Secure Futures programme, put together by a collaboration between the Security Institute and the EY Foundation, is aiming to do just that. It has seen widespread support from the UK security industry since its first launch in late 2020. And we'll hear all about it from Paul Barnard, Director and Vice Chair at the Security Institute, who leads the NextGen initiative alongside Angie Clark at the Security Institute. In essence, the programme has been supporting 16 to 18 year olds from low income backgrounds to access invaluable experience within the security industry. The programme saw its second cohort of young people graduate at the Old Bailey in April 2022, with plenty more to come later this year as well. Later on, you'll also hear from two of 2021's graduates in this podcast episode who came along to the Security Institute Conference in London last October. We got the chance to speak to them and find out why they'd encouraged others to get involved. From the conversations I've been lucky enough to have with some of the graduates who have been through the programme now, it's been really clear to see the enthusiasm they've shown for the industry, one that they essentially knew nothing about before the programme itself. But without further ado, let's hear from Paul to find out all about the initiative and why it might be different to others that have been launched before. Secure Futures is play on the EY Foundation's courses they already run. They're called Smart Futures, where they provide employability skills training for young kids, generally from poorer backgrounds. So the family income will be less than £16,000 a year, and or they may be on free school meals. So it's quite an impactive statement to start with from the EY Foundation. They've been doing this since 2015. And I met with them about three years ago and said, look, you know, we're from the security industry. We would like to run a multi-employer program because back then they were running just single employer programs where they fund for young kids at age 16 years of age to come on the courses and they get a week's worth of employability skills. But what we've done is to include the security we all know so well, so cyber personnel and physical security within those courses. We've got some amazing support and we've had some significant funding so that we're now into our second year. We ran a course in April and we're just about to run one in Manchester in August this year. The second week of the course is about work experience and they go to different work environments and they graduate as well, which is great. More importantly than that, they get 10 months of mentoring afterwards by security professionals, often from the companies that are sponsored participants in the course. 
So that's what it's all about. It's about trying to change the narrative we've currently got about security and giving people from different backgrounds ability to see what it is we do to keep people, property and information safe. Sounds like a really, really great initiative. And, and what does that first week of the program look like? What do they do on that first week? Last year, we were all online. But this year, having the classroom, of course, the first time we've ever met. So most of them are not from the same school. They were from across London, but we're going to go to other parts of the country as well. And they start to learn about employability skills. So it might be for something like self-reflection. And we bring in some panelists from the security sector to talk to them about their experience of self-reflection. It might be leadership, communication skills or teamwork as well. So those real key elements and the EY Foundation draw out and give them some real good tips on how they can learn. They pull together their own program of learning throughout the week as well. And they get an ILM certificate at the end. So it's actually a qualification that they're working towards. And that's really given them the ability to build their own CV to start to think about the university placements and give them a real heads up on what employers are looking for. So great support, as I say, from the security sector. People stood up to be panelists, guest speakers on all types of things, like insider risk, physical security risk, cyber. Police teams come in and do the Lego game, which is the disruptive exercise, which is based on academic research. So we really try and give these kids a lift and give them an opportunity to see things differently. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's really, really important for that process to happen. And the graduation ceremony, I think it's worth mentioning the, the recent one. Where did it take place? Well, we were fortunate enough to approach the Court of London to get permission to use the Old Bailey. So after court hours, of course, we rocked up and we went into court one which is an infamous court for a number of specific trials throughout the years. And we were in there and judge came in to open the course, dressed in her wig and gown, and was able to give someone a history of where she was sitting and things around the courthouse as well. Had the young kids sitting um, sort of, you know, where the jury would sit, which was perfect. And we were able to sort of bring alive the courtroom with security and talk to them about, courtrooms work when security goes well or goes poorly and this is what we all do to keep people safe but often it's used to give evidence as well so it it was a really wonderful evening James and we couldn't take photographs in the court for obvious reasons but afterwards in the grand hall outside you could just tell that lifted experience and it was brilliant also to have their parents there as well and the ability for people who couldn't make it to dial in online and actually see you know, their kids or their friends and getting these um, certificates at the end. So pretty damn good, I think, is <laughs> what we would say. Yeah, I would absolutely yeah. agree with that. Having been there myself, it was an incredible experience for and particularly for these kids. And the one thing I noticed particularly is, you know, a couple of them stood up and kind of led the discussion, led the ceremony and stuff. That confidence was incredible. And, and do you find that their confidence grows so much between the start of the week and the end of the week? It does. And it, it seems a bit sort of a mute thing to say that, you know, their confidence does grow. But the two ladies you're talking about at the very start of the week, although they're fairly confident, they were not ones to be standing up in front of people like that. Don't forget where they were standing at the time is where the judge sits. They're looking down at everyone else and they confidently given a presentation on what was coming and then introducing different people as well. So they had a really good script. I think they did it with a little bit of humour as well, just a little bit of fun element there, which was quite nice. You know, throughout that week though, James, I helped facilitate some of the calls with the EY Foundation, but 
we'd be there trying to facilitate a panel session. And I just said, you know what, I, I'm not going to facilitate this. I want one of you to come out and do it. You know, the hands go up. So you've got the confidence there already and they come out and they do a great job facilitating. Yeah. If you show them once, they'll get it. And what we found with them is that then more people were coming forward to go and do these things and to put their hands up and come forward with that confidence that they need because they've done the employability skills. They know they've now got to demonstrate and show them. And it's given them the basis and basics to do that with. Absolutely. What's the feedback been like from the sector and those on the program itself as well? I mean, the sector stood up. We've got more employers on board now, more funding than we had last year. And it's been amazing to see that. So when they come on as panelists and guest speakers or at the end of graduation, the feedback from them is awesome because they are now seeing the ability that young kids have with less social mobility. They can see that now front and centre. And it's perhaps not somewhere we've looked for the professional content we need for people in the past, but talent is the feedback is, wow, how talented and how engaged they are when they go to the work experience week. That's where the engagement really comes into effect, where they do presentations to people they've never met before in the business. They do some research into real life problems that the business is facing, because what we're seeing, you can understand, is that young people will see things slightly differently. As we saw in the Dragon's Den on the first week, they see problems very differently and it it sometimes blows the judges away. From the young kids themselves, the feedback is always quite heartwarming, as you can imagine. And I I did a bit of reading on some of the feedback we had this time before I came online today. We had a couple of really standout letters. One said, you've made me realise on this course that whatever happens in terms of my degree, if I don't do well in something, that actually there is life beyond type thing. There are other things out there. And you've given me so much confidence. And one young lad has uh, written in to say that he's now absolutely convinced that this is what he wants to do in the security sets. He wants to work in it. And he said, that's it. I, I just now know. I was so blown away by what I saw and what I heard. So we will now put them in touch with the right mentors to help them develop, which is important. And, and that then comes with feedback as well afterwards. So, yeah, so it's really positive. We've got to keep the momentum going and we will keep driving it forward. That really is fantastic. And it is one of those things I think, you know, lots of people find it when they, they, they're sort of approaching that time of their lives where they start needing to think about careers and, you know, what they're going to do after school or or even after uni. And it is really difficult. There's so much out there. And until you know about certain careers or sectors like the security industry and, and understand that it's so multifaceted and there's so much going on in it. I remember you saying it, it, you kind of cover the personnel side, the physical side and the cyber side. And People don't know that there's so many different aspects of security and it's, it's so important, I think, to showcase that and to get one person come out of that and go, this is what I want to do. This is this has inspired me. That is truly brilliant. What do you think the biggest takeaways are from the program for the participants about the security industry? Is it that there's so much more than they already know or, or that kind of thing? Or is it something else? Two things they come out with, I think. Firstly, we put them in worlds they didn't really know much about and we give them access to things they ordinarily wouldn't see or wouldn't be part of. And that broadens the experience and makes them feel welcome and belong. And that said to me, I never knew we were allowed in this building. It's a big office block, the UI Foundation, right? UI, and it's off-putting. You see this big glass building. For him, it was like, I didn't think we were allowed in here. We then took them to Mansion House and they met the Lord Mayor. We had a whole lecture session and the whole thing on employability skills. And I knew in in advance he may pop in if he could, and he did. He popped in to say hello. And one of the young lads had spent 
the weekend before, exploring all the sites that he was going to, and also exploring the history and the names of the people he could potentially meet. So he told me his name, how long he'd been Lord Mayor for, who was before him, where the venue was, etc. So when the Lord Mayor comes in, I introduce them. So you want to ask a question, ask a question. Well, it showed me just how keen some people are to really know the detail of what they need. And as an employer, I want people that are ultra keen that want to know things or inquisitive. So the biggest takeaways are they become really inquisitive, demand to know things and ask questions that you and I maybe may not think of. But they come out of it also realising that they've been bolstered by employability skills and they've got 10 months of mentoring to look forward to. And you can see them walking out the door, head held high, very proud of what they've done and what they've achieved, knowing that they've got another bit of a journey to go on. Yeah, absolutely. Why do you think it's so important for the security sector and the risk management sector and, and everything that goes with it to invest in that next generation? Historically, we've had two main areas of policing, me and military. I'm not saying that that's not a good thing still in the future, but we live in a vastly diverse, different world than we used to. We live in a much more complicated world and we live in a world where information now is known very, very quickly. Solutions to problems won't come from older people like me because I'm not living and breathing the issues you see right now and say knife crime or other issues in London around pollution and climate change. Young people are living and breathing this. They've got ideas. They've got great ways of thinking. And we got to get away from where we were four years ago when I first joined the security sector, walked to the London Stadium for a big counterterrorism event, and it was full of people looking like me. There's no young people in there. I spoke to someone recently at the Security Institute's AGM, and he said, you know what? When I first came here 10 years ago, it was literally all older people. And now it's changing. It's real dramatic changes taking place. With that comes business benefit, business benefit that you are experiencing things and getting solutions to things that you otherwise wouldn't have had. And you're training people to be security professionals of the future, managers, directors, etc., even consultants. So you've got really great individuals there who want to learn. ONS data shows at 17 years of age, kids want to be in protective services. And by the time they're 24, falling off the agenda. The question is why? The answer, I think, is that the peer group pressure of it is applied. Do you yeah. really want to do this? Is our narrative in security sector, is it there? The answer is it's not. I can't find it when I ask young kids at the very start on surveys. It isn't there. So it's our fault. We've got to change the narrative. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. If anybody wants to get involved in Secure Futures program going forward, how can they help? What can they do? What would you advise? We'll run the course twice a year. Firstly, it's funded. So we have to provide funding. EY are a not-for-profit organisation, but the kids also get paid for being on the course as well, which is absolutely brilliant and essential. They do all the onboarding, all of the DBS checks on individuals such as myself and others who want to do mentoring and panellists, etc. And it's getting people involved is, is in the sponsoring of a place on the course. You can host a young person at your business premises to give them work experience. You can become a panellist, a guest speaker. If you've got great venues that we can use or a venue we can use free of charge, that would be brilliant as well. It's about giving them that real rich experience and, of course, mentoring. Now, mentoring is a big commitment. The EY framework they use is one of the best I've seen in terms of its engagement and the types of things that you can talk about with young people and other bits and pieces that might also benefit them. Because ultimately, it's about the benefit of the individual. But that's how people can get involved. 
That was Paul Barnard, Vice Chair and Director at the Security Institute, discussing the Secure Futures program. We know that those involved in security are working more collaboratively than ever with other business functions, particularly the safety and health department. Why not find out more about the sector by listening to the SHP podcast from our friends over at SHP? You'll hear from leaders in the safety and health profession discussing everything from mental health through to workplace injuries, through to creating a safety culture within an organisation. Just head over to shponline.co.uk slash the safety and health podcast to listen today. Alongside the EY Foundation, Paul has really driven the initiative since the start and has helped secure the funding required from the security industry to put everything in place. But how have the participants themselves found it? Well, we were lucky enough to chat to a couple of last year's graduates at the Security Institute Conference in October 2021 to find out. So we've got a short snippet of the conversation here for you where we're discussing why they'd encourage others to get involved in Secure Futures. If somebody was like, I don't know about security, why would I do this? Why would I get involved with it? Is there one thing you'd say, do this because of this? Is it to understand the diversity of the sector? Not necessarily for me, it's just why not? You're saying, I don't want to, because I'm not sure, I don't know about it. Mm-hmm. I don't know about it, but I said, why not? Because you yeah. absolutely have nothing to lose from experience. And in fact, it would be even better if you came and decided that you don't like it, then you're sure you don't yeah. want to do it. Not I assuming. think there is something for everyone in the security sector. Let's say you're not into like the brain side of it and you're more into like protection and you, you're, you're like going gym. You can go to the physical side or let's say you're the opposite of that. You can stay inside where you can do the yeah. tech side of it. Like mm-hmm. There is literally something for everyone which is not represented enough when we talk about security. Yeah, there's even something for me that I'm interested in laws. The link I would never link law yeah. with this. The link is tenuous, right? So it's like it's hard to link security to law to some extent. But there is a link. My interest here as well, because I like writing. There's a lot to do with like writing like, as yourself, you do a lot of writing and find myself doing that in the future. Yeah, it's the idea that something there for everyone, whoever you are. So there's no reason to not, not take that day. Yeah. No reason to not. And really opened your mind to how wide the sector is. You know, I knew there was cyber security and I knew there was guarding yeah, and physical security, but I didn't think about the installation side of yeah. things. I didn't think about the integration side of things. I didn't think about the end user, the, the security manager for this place. I didn't, I didn't even think about that. When people ask me, what's security about? It's like, I don't even know how to answer <laughs> that question in one word. It's, it's, it's so diverse and so... I, I get you, again, you used the word passionate. I think so many people are passionate about it because you have to be because it's so important. What did you enjoy most about the Secure Futures program? Was it getting the chance to speak to people like Paul and have mentors or people like Paul, didn't say just Paul? Or, or you know, did you really enjoy the, the jobs? You did some work experience, basically? In terms of communication, evidently me and Paul are like opposite. We're very different. So I thought that, that, was, <laughs> I thought that, that was going to like, create lack of communication I thought it was going to be hard to connect but honestly Paul was amazing even online yeah, I like the connection with the students incredible like we understood exactly what the aim was why we were there when we wanted to go and the fact that we're here now shows the connection yeah you can tell that Paul cares a lot about us and our future yeah. and the future generation everyone involved has set out this opportunity for us especially those of us that can't like like we said before from lower backgrounds that we can't usually have that easy way in yeah. yeah. This was honestly like I just don't know. It's, it can't it can't get better than great. Like you met Slabby so early on. I think it was the doors that were open and then yeah. she started shutting. 
the way I view it is that we've got to have the open door and we've not had that we've sort of had it a little bit closed and we have a little peek in but we're not bringing everyone in it's only those that have got a badge or yeah. know, therefore broad approach is really vital and important and that's the way I've always seen it and I've always banged on to you about that and I just give everyone an opportunity yeah. and the other thing as well is the reason you've come here today is because you're enthusiastic and you've seen something different you want to be you want to be involved in and get part be part of whether you end up in it for me it doesn't really matter in the day mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that I should be saying you should be <laughs> what matters for me is you get an experience you wouldn't have otherwise had rather than just fall into it like I did what a privilege it was to listen to the Secure Future graduates there discussing why they'd encourage others to get involved in the program and what they enjoyed most about it I've been lucky enough to speak to more participants since and attended the most recent graduation ceremony at the Old Bailey. And I'm always encouraged and blown away, I think, by the confidence and enthusiasm shown by those so young. I know I certainly wouldn't have had the confidence to speak at court one at the Old Bailey in front of experienced professionals and my peers at that age. I think the one thing that always comes out of conversations that I've had with them is is how surprised they are at the huge number of opportunities in the security industry. For people who have never experienced the sector and don't have family or friends in it, it probably isn't always obvious all the different routes available to them and how varied a security career path can be. And this is a vital part of the Secure Futures program in that it really opens their eyes to all the opportunities out there. I think as Paul explains as well, not everyone is going to stick with the industry after they graduate and he completely accepts that, but that's okay. Just having a deeper appreciation of the sector and the professionals involved is really important. It's something we also touched upon actually in our first episode of the podcast, speaking with Letitia Emiana of ASIS UK. So do have a listen if you haven't already. But that's all from this episode of the Security in Focus podcast from IFSEC Global. Thanks for listening. And if you're interested in more on the subjects raised in this podcast, we have several articles on ifsecglobal.com about the Secure Futures program already. Links will also be in the description of the episode. This has been a podcast from Ifsec Global. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook or LinkedIn to keep up with the latest in the industry. Thanks for listening. Mm